How many are looking forward to the Word of God this morning? Amen. First of all, how many of you had a great Christmas? Most of you. How many ate too many goodies? All right. Well, anyway, this is the uh, last day to do that, so you can make your New Year's resolutions, if you will, be it therefore resolved or whatever. Well, this morning we're going to look at God's Word, and I've titled this morning's message, Last Words. Last Words, which is fitting for the last Sunday of 2023 and uh, the last day of this year. And it's highly probable that this will be the last sermon I will ever preach this year. I want to begin by asking you a question, or asking some questions. If God allowed you to share one last message with your family, and it was your last chance to say what was on your heart, what would you say? What would your last words be to your family? Or or what would your last words consist of? Now, if this was the last sermon I ever did preach, uh, at BCF, you know, what would my last words be? Uh, I, always, I always think of it this way, you know, if this is the last chance I had to tell someone about Jesus, uh, there'd be an, an altar call, salvation call somewhere in there, uh, presenting the gospel to them and hopefully them understanding about that. But everyone has heard about famous last words. And in reality, some might be famous and some not so famous last words. For example, our first president of the United States his last words were, "'Tis well, tis well, George Washington. Uh, Joan of Arc cried out, "'Hold the cross high so I may see it through the flames.'" Yeah, wow, I was right. "'Hold the cross high so I can see it through the flames,' cried Joan of Arc. P.T. Barnum of the circus notoriety, he said his last words, P.T. Barnum, "'How were the circus receipts at Madison Square Garden?' Uh, Beethoven, friends applaud, the comedy is over, his last words. Now, last words or farewell speeches are, are what some people are often remembered for, and we even hear the phrase today kind of as a joke, you know, yeah, sure, famous last words, those kind of things. It's become sort of a grim sort of humor as we describe a person who thinks a situation isn't dangerous when Actually, it turns out to be a big mistake and sometimes fatal. For example, oh, don't worry, that gun's not loaded. Famous last words. Uh, They couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And the guy was killed in battle during the U.S. Civil War. Evidently, they could kill an elephant at that distance. Uh, I never wear seatbelts. They wrinkled my clothes. That shouldn't be enough gas to make it across Nevada. It's so tame, you can put your head in its mouth. (laughs) Famous last words. These are the safe kind of mushrooms. It's supposed to make that noise. It doesn't look like the bridge is out. They only attack when they're hungry. I bet I can fit in there. I'm sure it'll support my weight. It's just a few scattered lightning bolts as you're out in the golf course with the clubs, you know. Hey guys, watch this. This is for all the rednecks. Well, I'll add and hold my beer, which we kind of see on, on whatever. You know, the tide's not that strong. Let's make a run for it. 
it's okay, I have a reserve parachute. Let's take this shortcut. What happens if we touch these two wires together, you know? We don't need reservations, trust me. It's fireproof. He's probably just hibernating. What does this button do? Are you sure the power is off? The odds of that happening have to be a million to one. Pull the pin and count to what? Which wire was I supposed to cut? I wonder where the mother bear is. I've seen this, on, I've seen this done on TV. I'll hold it and you light the fuse. I'll get your toast out of the toaster. Unplug it first. I can make this light before it changes. Nice doggy. I'll just slip into the commuter lane for a second. I'll never get caught as, as the police officer pulls you over. How about this? I'll come to church later. Right now, there's too much going on in my life to worry about religion. Famous last words. Now, some people are remembered more for their last words than for anything else they may have done in their lives. Even the last words of a dying man tell us a great deal about him. For example, John Barrymore, who was an actor who died May 29, 1942, he said this, Die? I should say not, dear fellow. No Barrymore would allow such a conventional thing to happen to him. And yet, uh, no doubt he died. <laughs> Before slipping into a coma and dying nine days later, Sir Winston Churchill the statesman who was famous for his commencement address, Never Give Up. He died on January 24, 1965, with these last words. I'm bored with it all. Sounds like he might have given up, all right? To his housekeeper who urged him to tell her his last words so she could write them down for posterity, the revolutionary communist Karl Marx, who died in 1883, with these last words. Go on, get out. Last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Karl Marx. Writer Oscar Wilde died November 30, 1900, saying, Either that wallpaper goes or I do. <laughs> I'm guessing he did. William uh, Sullivan was a Pulitzer Prize winner for the writing of plays, short stories, and novels. His works were noted for their sentimental optimism. Before his death in 1981, he telephoned his final words to the Associated Press. Everybody has got to die, but I've always believed an exception would be made in my case. Now what? There is no exception. We all will die, and then we face the judgment. Now, today on this last Sunday of 2023, I want to first of all focus on the last words of the Apostle Peter that he wrote to us in 2 Peter, and then we'll end with the last, some of the last words of Jesus as we read in the Gospels as well as the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter writes this, his last words, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, 
To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now before the great apostle Peter says his final amen, Peter writes about growth and grace and knowledge. Growth is a command for the Christ follower. Growth is not an option. As many realize, the Greek word insinuates not just grow, but be constantly growing. You and I should always be growing spiritually, maturing in the Lord. Never stop growing is what Peter's saying. Never stop growing as a Christian. Now, this admonition to grow is the culmination of a long discourse on the dangers of false teaching. Chapters 2 and 3 of 2 Peter, and according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, growth is not only essential to overcome the deception of others, but it's also necessary to overcome our own evil desires. As 2 Peter 1, 4 says, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, the, the growth that Peter's talking about is the kind of growth that takes effort, that takes discipline, work on our part. That's why Peter exhorts us in 2 Peter chapter 1, going on in verses 5 through 9, for this very reason, Peter says, make every effort... That's on our part. We make every effort to add to our faith goodness and the goodness knowledge and the knowledge self-control and the self-control perseverance and the perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. And this is what Peter says. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, the idea is that growth is happening in increasing measure. They will keep you from being unproductive and ineffective in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. And so here's Peter saying, guys, keep on growing. Add to this, this, and add to that, that. And, and Peter say, make every effort and make sure these things are increasing measure in your life. So I would say that Peter, in writing his letters, Peter knew about growth. Matter of fact, in the gospel narrative of the life of Jesus Christ, no Christ follower's progress is documented more closely than that of Simon Peter. A pebble, Simon, that would be transformed into a rock, Cephas or Peter, by the power of Jesus Christ. So Peter knew about growth. Peter also knew about grace, perhaps Peter's greatest assignment. The first one to put his foot in his mouth and the first one to walk on water as he stepped out of that boat. You see, Peter's impetuous spirit often got him in deep water. Pun intended. Having felt the sting of guilt from his denial of Christ, I don't even know the man, Peter knew firsthand what it meant to be forgiven for his foolish sin. And so no doubt, Peter knew about grace. And so Peter knew about growth, he knew about grace, but he also understood knowledge. Knowledge. And so we have grace, growth, and knowledge. Now, we are saved by grace, not of our own merit, but grace does not cease 
to operate in our lives after conversion. In other words, God's grace is constantly available to us. Now, I got saved on February 20 of 1983, and so this past February was my 40th spiritual birthday. And I can tell you this morning that I understand 40 years later, I understand much more about God's grace today than I've ever understood in those previous years. You see, grace is needed for strength. Grace is needed to endure suffering. Grace is needed for giving, which are just a few of the areas where growth in grace is needed as well. But don't forget to couple grace with the growth in knowledge. The knowledge Peter is talking about is the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God's word. As 2 Peter 1.3 says, through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of him. Church, it is impossible that we live out everything we know. I get that. As I said before, most of us, most Christians today are educated way beyond their level of obedience. So it's possible to know more scriptures than we live, but, but it isn't quite as possible to live more scriptures than we know. Now, the Word of God, as you know, is not only meant to inform us, God's Word is given to us so it will transform us. God's Word is living, it is active, it's alive, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And so God's Word is there, meaning to transform our lives, to, to help us to grow spiritually, to grow in grace, to grow in knowledge. Now, don't miss the fact that Peter is calling for growth in grace and knowledge simultaneously. Now, he confirms that we need to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and to have that intimate relationship with him because the, know we more of, the, know, the more we know of him, the more of him will be seen in our lives. Hopefully that is true in our lives. As Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear, also will appear with him in glory. Now the scriptures contain all the knowledge we will ever need to learn about God, to learn about Jesus Christ, to learn about the Holy Spirit, at least in this life. You see, God's desire for you and for me is, is not only our salvation, but as well as our sanctification and our transformation. God wants us to become more holy like himself. Be holy, for I am holy, God says. God wants to transform us into the image of his son. We do this by meditating on what the word of God says, understanding the knowledge of God's word, but it doesn't stop with just understanding the knowledge of God's word. You and I then need to apply what we know. Amen? Then we will prove 2 Corinthians 3.18, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. And so if you and I are to grow as God intends in grace and in knowledge, we'll be more balanced. Have you ever been in a car where the tires are out of balance? 
It's like not fun to drive. Well, we're to grow in both areas together and, and become balanced as far as our walk with God is concerned. Even down to the centuries of the church history, there have been grave doctrinal errors proliferated by those who embrace grace to the exclusion of knowledge, and they've embraced knowledge to the exclusion of grace. We have to have both working in our lives to be a balanced believer in these last days. Now, those are Peter's last words. We are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. In other words, when you are growing, when you are maturing spiritually, when God is working in your life, when God is, is, is maturing you, guess what? There's going to be that evidence of God's hand upon you. And when God's hand's upon you, hopefully Jesus Christ is going to be glorified. That's what Peter's talking about. And so let me ask you today, are you growing spiritually? Are you still growing? The reason that you're not in heaven today, if you're born again, if you're a Christian, is because God's not done working yet. The reason you still have breath in your lungs is because God's still working in your life and in my life as well. There was an article that was uh, written by Alton Garrison. Alton at that time was the uh, assistant superintendent of the Assemblies of God. We had him here years ago as one of our missions convention speakers. But he wrote an article for the Pentecostal Evangel that was entitled, Never Stop Growing. Let me read it to you. Very, pretty short. He says, Maturity is a process. A typical Christian over the course of a lifetime will experience periods of great growth and periods of what appears to be dormancy. This cycle of Christian growth can be compared to the cycle of physical growth. Infant growth seems to occur daily. After a week's absence, many parents declare that their baby has grown at least three inches. Children go through amazing growth spurts, growing through shoes and clothes in a matter of weeks. Such rapid growth does not continue. During the course of, of, a, of a childhood, there are growth spurts and growth slowdowns, he's right, he writes. Approaching adulthood, the adolescents may do aerobics, work out, or run in order to continue growing. As adults, we sometimes grow in places we would prefer not to. I'm thinking from Thanksgiving to the New Year, there's always that little bit of weight gain uh, for most people. Usually I do. This year I lost about five pounds, probably from from doing, working with wood, right? But as adults, we sometimes grow in places we would prefer not to. Only with great effort do we continue to grow where it's recommended. New Christians grow at an amazing rate. Why? The information is all new. Everything from Bible stories to Sunday school lessons to prayer seminars is fresh and alive. Voraciously, new Christians consume as much information and inspiration as possible, growing in Christ daily. There is nothing more exciting, he writes, than discipline, discipline, or discipling, excuse me, discipling new Christians and enjoying their wonderment and excitement. Later, the, the process of spiritual growth slows. Growth then must become planned and intentional. As one matures in Christ, the areas worked on may be smaller. The new Christian may be trying to quit drinking and swearing and learning how to pray and read the Bible. The mature Christian may be learning a greater degree of tenderness, exploring God's perspective on pain or fine-tuning an attitude. Regardless of the stage of spiritual development, he ends the article with this line, every believer must continue to grow. 
Every believer must continue to grow. This is what Peter is telling us. But grow, he says, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So here's my question. How do you know if you're still growing? By evaluation. If growth is to be intentional, we must assess its progress to ensure that you and I are continuing to grow spiritually. And so I've developed, or I came up with a list of questions this morning we're going to talk about. The following questions will help you evaluate your personal spiritual growth over this past year. Being, these are the last words, last Sunday, last day of 2023. Let's look at this a little bit. Question number one, is your love evident to others? See, the disciples did not wear emblazoned t-shirts proclaiming themselves as disciples. They had no advertising, no television commercials, no shoe contracts. They never said, hey, here, read my blog. You know, in today's society, the disciples would attempt perhaps to negotiate their contract to ensure a higher degree of visibility. After all, we want to be known as followers of Christ. But Jesus did teach them a way they could be identified. In essence, he told them, guys, if you want people to know that you are associated with me, then show love to them, but also, he says, show love one to another. In other words, the disciples may have been disappointed that there was not a more exciting, glamorous way to be identified with Christ, but loving people to them, I mean, it really seems so ordinary. Here's the deal. Love was the mark of discipleship then, and love is still the mark of discipleship today. If you are growing, your love for others is increasing. If your love for others is not increasing, then you're probably not growing spiritually. A number, a number of years ago, over 10 years ago, I was praying and I was, I was asking God, and I've shared this before, but I was asking God, God, give me a greater love for people. And I really felt Holy Spirit speak to my heart after I prayed that prayer. He said, Brian, if you will develop a greater love for me, for God, you will have a greater love for people. And I think that's true. That's what, that's what I really sense. So this past year, this past year, have you shown love to people that the world considers unlovable? And how? You see, if God wants you and I to grow in love, guess what? He's going to put some unlovable people in our path. He's going to put what I call extra grace required, EGR people in our path. Amen? Amen? All right. And so ask yourself, do others characterize me as loving and kind? Do others characterize you as loving and kind? Be, be it at church, on the job, in your family? Do the people around you know that you love them? Is your love visible? Is your love evident? Is it demonstrated in both words and in actions? Now, if you're not sure of your answer, maybe be so bold as to ask those around you. How's my love quotient? You know, is my love for people growing? Is my love for God growing? So number one, is your love evident to others? Next, are the habits of a disciple evident in your life and increasing in importance? In this past year, have you continued 
the five primary habits of a disciple. Number one, do you spend time in God's Word? Do you spend time in the Bible? If you're in a growth mode, God is going to be revealing to you new and exciting things through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. A mature believer eagerly anticipates time in the Word. And guess what? You can read the Bible through in a year, and, next, and, and starting tomorrow, 2024, you start all over again, and it's like God's going to show you new things you've never seen before, and you're going to go, wow, I've never, all these years, I've read God's Word, and this is a new, fresh revelation. That's just the design of God's Word. I like to say it this way. Uh, this is not, the Bible's not a dry book if you know its author. And the Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to a Christian who's not. All right? And, and, and so, basically, understand this. The Bible is the only book where the author is in love with the reader. So number one, in the five habits of a disciple, are you spending time in his word? Because you will not grow spiritually if you're not spending time in his word. Second one, do you spend time in prayer? I know this is basic, but it's okay. Do you spend time in prayer? Well, I'm not sure. Well, do you pray? Yes or no? I mean, it's a very simple question. Are you spending more time in prayer this year than you did in 2022? In order for your relationship with God to continue to progress, you must spend time daily in, in fellowship with Him. And by the way, this is not an option. I like to say it this way. If you're not praying, you're not growing. If you're not praying, you're straying. If you're not praying, you're playing, you're playing games. Prayer. Thirdly, are you tithing to your local church? Do you enjoy giving? Or has it become a drudgery or a chore? I think it's fun to give. I love blessing people. I love blessing missions and missionaries. I just, that's just my heart. I love doing that. And it's great to give them a check and say, here, be blessed. And they're like, wow, you know, I, it's just a great time to do this. So we are to grow, as, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, we are to grow in the grace of giving. Luke 16, 11, Jesus said, if you have not been faithful or trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, right, unrighteous mammon, who will trust you with true, true riches? See, God's not going to give us greater things until we prove to be faithful in the small. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. When we are tithing, we are not giving, we are returning. We are returning what already belongs to God. The tithe, the first 10% belongs to God. And so I teach on that. I don't do a lot of it here, but I do teach on it occasionally. But basically, are you giving? Are you, are you growing in the grace of giving? Thirdly, or fourthly, are you faithfully attending church? And I say faithfully attending in America today, that means, well, this is the Christianity America today, the Western church I pick on. But the Western church, American church, well, if I attend once a month, I'm faithfully attending. Uh, no, you're not. That's not the way I was raised. Matter of fact, I was raised, and my mom was here today, but I was raised that when the doors are open, I'm in church. I didn't have an option with going as a kid. And, uh, but basically, do you find yourself in church, or do you find yourself making any and every excuse to be absent? How about Sunday school? I, I guarantee if your heart's open, you're going to learn something from Sunday school adults 
as well as boys and girls, as well as teenagers. How about the Wednesday night Bible study that we're going to resume on January 10? All right, how about the prayer meeting? Uh, Paul Davidson, one of my professors at Bible College, said this, the banana that strays from the bunch gets peeled. In other words, don't be a loner out there. Be committed to the body of Christ. When we are told, we are commanded, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as in the habit of some, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, I can tell you, the coming of Jesus is getting closer and closer. Look at world events today. I mean, things are falling into place. Things are happening. Just taught on Revelation uh, last year. But just seeing what's going on today in Israel, the Middle East, different places. And if you can't see the coming of the Lord is, 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 is getting closer and closer, then, then you are blinded spiritually. But in light of His coming, we ought to be meeting together more often, Hebrews 10.25 tells us. And so are you faithfully attending church? Number five, are you witnessing to others? In the last 12 months, in 2023, have you at least shared your faith with someone? Pam talked about that in Sunday school this morning. Have you invited someone to church? You see, a growing disciple desires to produce other disciples. Our excitement about Jesus should always be evident to others. And so in this past year, have you continued in the five primary habits of a disciple? Bible, prayer, tithing, attending, and witnessing. If not, tomorrow begins a brand new start. You can make a commitment, God, get me back on track where I need to be in these areas. Next question. Are you more sensitive to God's voice than ever before? See, this question deals with your spiritual sensitivity. So you got news for you. God is still speaking today. Do we have ears to hear what he's saying? Are we listening? Growing believers are aware that God can speak to them through his word. God can speak to them through the Holy Spirit, through the pastor, through teachers, through others, even through impressions. You mean your old, your old men shall dream, your young men shall dream dreams and your old men shall see visions or, or vice versa. You know, put yourself in whatever category. Are you have, do you have dreams or do you have visions? Are you young or you're old? But God is speaking to us. Are you asking God for? Are you receiving his insight into situations and individuals? Your spiritual antenna should always be up in tune with his voice. His sheep know his voice. Next question. Are you hungrier for God than ever before? In Exodus 33 God basically tells Moses that he's not going to go with them into the promised land because they were a stiff-necked people. And if he did go with them, he would probably destroy them on the way. He says that twice in that passage in Exodus 33. And then Moses says to God, God, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. And then he says this in verse 16. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? For what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Indicating, implying the presence of God. Friends, the only thing that distinguishes us being different from anybody else in this world is his presence. And so I have to confess to you this morning 
that I have an addiction problem. I'm addicted to the presence of Jesus. And hopefully you are too. See, the question on hunger really deals with the issue of desire. It deals with what the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water, so I long for you, O God. It's a wonderful word picture of desire for God. And so are you hungering more for God than ever before? In addition to Peter calling us to growth in grace and knowledge and pursuing God, the Apostle Paul, of all people, is also a great example of someone who continued in his hunger for God. I mean, Paul himself said, I want to know Christ. But Paul, you had this incredible Damascus Road experience. Paul, you are caught up in the third heaven. Paul, you should know him more than anybody else. And here's Paul who gives us a good portion of our New Testament. And here's Paul saying, I want to know Christ. That hunger, that desire saying, there's more. A Paul, Paul, a man who had done great things for God, needing to know Christ. Why? Because he wanted to continue to grow. Are you excited today about knowing Jesus as you were when you first came to him? If not, there's been some backsliding going on. See, Christianity is to be an adventure. We need to step out in faith, even though we don't know all the details in advance. I mean, how many of you, I'm wired this way, want to know how things are going to happen before they happen? You can't do that with God. I like to say it this way, man, if you got it all figured out, it's probably not God. Right? Take some risks. You're going to have to step out of the boat if you want to walk on the water. All right? Another question. Is the quality of forgiveness evident in your life? It's like, oh, he's meddling now. See, this is the question many people would prefer to skip. Why? Because forgiveness can be hard. Forgiveness is not natural, it's supernatural. And mature, growing believers are willing to forgive others in the same way that Christ has forgiven them. John F. Kennedy once said, Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. That's not God's idea of forgiveness, by the way. We must forgive completely as, just as we've been forgiven. In other words, if we refuse to forgive others who have wronged us, who have offended us, or whatever, then God won't forgive us. Bible. According to Matthew 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says, if we do not forgive others, then our Father will not forgive our transgressions. Basically, uh, interpreted is that God's forgiveness of us is contingent on our forgiving others. And so Jesus is saying you cannot receive what you are unwilling to give. So I ask this morning, are you harboring bitterness towards someone who has wronged you? And guess what? We're all going to be wronged. If you haven't been wronged in 2023, I can pretty much guarantee you, you will be wronged in 2024. You will be offended in 2024. Are you willing to release a hurt that has occurred? Are there people in the workplace, your church or your family, whom you have refused to forgive? Unforgiveness, listen to me please, if you get nothing else out of this message, unforgiveness will stop your spiritual growth dead in its tracks. Unforgiveness. 
It's a barrier that we erect that keeps us from a complete relationship with Jesus Christ. Forgiveness. Another question. Does the Word of God govern your life habits? Does the Word of God govern your life habits? This question deals with behavior. I I like to say it this way. We are not only to believe the gospel, we are to behave the gospel. In other words, we are to activate part of our threefold vision, activating faith, building families, connecting friends, activating faith. In other words, living out what you believe. Are your actions consistent with God's commands? Is your flesh winning the battle for control of your habits? See, when you're growing spiritually, your habits will be conformed to his word more and more and more. And you'll read something and you'll say, well, I got that one right. But most times like, oh, God, help me. You know, I need, well, I need help right there. I need help right there, whatever. See, I get it. We all struggle in different areas. Even Paul did. He wrote, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. You know, Romans 7, but then Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, Paul's saying, I'm not doing what I want to do, but chapter 8, it's about life in the Spirit, which is a wonderful chapter as well. More time, uh, no time for that this morning. But are your actions becoming more and more consistent with God's commands? Another question. Are you becoming more Christ-like in your thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors? Simply put, are you less like the world and more like Jesus. As you look back at 2023, as you look back at your spiritual growth, have you grown this year to be more like Jesus? You know, that that he would increase, that we would decrease. Is your Christ-likeness increasing? The question speaks of the primary goal of Christianity, and that's, that's transformed to his image, Romans 8, 29. Each year... Each year, you should be more like Jesus than you've been before. And I I get it. We will never reach a place of perfection and maturity until we reach heaven. But our maturity is for a purpose. In other words, we don't grow in Christ for growth's sake alone. Our growth is not part of some celestial contest whereby God proclaims a winner of the most mature award for 2023. And that person is. No, no, that's not what it's about. Our growth should, should propel us to the next level. And our growth should propel us then to ministry. The natural outgrowth of maturity is always ministry. How are you ministering? See, our goal is to, make, is to be a disciple that now makes disciples. And so I ask you once again, how have you grown this past year? Have you grown this past year? And then looking ahead, what are your spiritual growth goals for next year? Tomorrow we start a brand new year. Brand new year. What changes need to happen in your life? Let me wind this up by closing with Jesus' words in the Gospels, in Revelation, and then looking at what Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. So Matthew, Jesus' last words. Matthew 28, Jesus said in verse 18 through 20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, and teaching them 
to obey, not to rewrite what the Word of God says, but teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, friends, signs ought to be following believers, not believers following signs. Amen? And so I know there's room for growth in my life because, as, as it says of Peter, my shadow hasn't healed the sick yet. Has yours. You know, so there's room for growth. Luke records it this way. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Uh, Acts chapter 1. Remember, Luke wrote Acts on uh, one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with him, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, speaking of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, which was a baptism of repentance, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We have Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you'll receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so once again, we have these beautiful last words of Christ saying, Hey, before you make disciples, before you go, make sure you've been empowered with the Holy Ghost. As John writes Jesus' last words, John 20, 21, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. John 21, 17, Jesus said, Simon, son of, son of John, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then John 21, verse 19, Jesus says, follow me. And then we have the last words of Jesus recorded in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Revelation 22, verse 7, Jesus said, the words are in red, Behold, I am coming soon. So he said it. And that's been how many years ago? Roughly 2,000. Think about it. And then Jesus said, Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 12 through 16. Behold, I am coming soon. Once again, second time. Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming soon, my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. But he starts out by saying, Behold, I'm coming soon. And then we have Revelation 22, verse 20. Who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Three times in Revelation 22, 
He is coming soon. His own words. Friends, if you can count on anyone's words, last words, it's the words of Jesus. In other words, if Jesus said he's coming soon, you are guaranteed he's coming soon. Not in your timetable, in his, but he's coming soon. I had a guy stop me this past week, and I was out doing the wood out there and splitting wood, and he asked if he could borrow the back lot for his dog to run around, and he had brought a drone, and he said, so, are we going to be raptured? I said, that's the plan. <laughs> are you ready? I mean, it took, took me by surprise, you know, because anyone that asked that, it is a stranger, and he's no longer a stranger, but I know him by name, but uh, uh, anybody that asked me that question has some kind of a background in church or theology somewhere along the line, you know? And so I know we'll have more conversations in the days ahead. <laughs> it all comes down to this. Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. See, Solomon, you recall, begins Ecclesiastes with a cynical appraisal of life as meaningless. But he really ends the book with a serious counsel about where meaning can be found. He says, when it comes down to it, fear God, keep his commandments. Keep his word, obey him, because that will bring purpose and satisfaction that cannot be found in any other way. And so Solomon really ends by reminding us that we all will be accountable to God one day for our deeds. And the Lord's going to evaluate us, each of us, believer and unbeliever alike, according, and I, I want you to understand this, he's going to evaluate us according to his standard, not our standard. We have dumbed down his standard to make God acceptable to us when God's trying to get us to abide by his standard and lift us up to where he's at, if that makes sense to you. Here's my question. I've asked lots of questions today. Upon hearing God's word today, what is Holy Spirit speaking to your heart about? As you reflect and review 2023, as you look ahead to 2024, what's God speaking to your heart about? Do you need to get right with God? Is there sin in your life? Have you become, are you a Christian? Have you repented of your sin? Have you made things right with God? Because there is a judgment day coming. And my last words to you on my last sermon, on my last day of 2023 is repent and get right with God. Because if you don't know him, you're going to be lost. And it's for eternity. And it's forever and ever and ever. And so I would admonish you today to make sure that you have repented of your sin, that you've gotten right with God. Let's all stand to our feet.